This is like the last getaway weekend for, the, it's kind of like the last weekend of the summer getaway. So pray for those that are traveling this week, that are visiting family and friends, and that they'll have a good visit and a safe trip. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of, how many of you got your Bibles with you? Everybody hold your Bible up. You, if it's in a cell phone, it's okay. Hold the cell phone up. All right. So I know you're looking at your Bible and not playing Candy Crush. <laughs> the, we, the, the last several uh, weeks, we've been doing a series on who is that God. And we've talked about the names of God and how those names identify the character of God. Today is the last week uh, that we'll finish this series up, and there's no way that you're ever going to cover all the names of God and the character of God, but it's important for what I'm trying to do is for you to get the heart of who God is. Who is that God? It started with Nebuchadnezzar, uh, our series did, looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego threatening them over their faith and asking them, who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand? Now, how many of you know who that God is? Amen? See, if you don't know who he is, then you'll buckle when pressure comes because you, you won't believe he's able to deliver. But when you know who he is, when the fire gets hot, you just begin to warm your hands because you know God's in control. Amen? Amen. So we're going to, last week we talked about Jehovah and we talked about El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. Today we're going to look at a name of God that's unique and I want to show you how it's tied to another name, and then ultimately what I want to be able to do is show you that there is something that is linking all this together. There's a reason that we see God with so many names identifying himself so many ways in the Old Testament. So in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, before we go there, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we're thankful that your word is life and that, God, you are able. We just ask, Father, Lord, that you'll settle into our midst. God, apprehend our hearts and cause us to hear your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in Exodus 3, 13 and 14, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? Now, I want you to get this because we've got over, there's been 400 years that the children of Israel, have, over 400 years that the children of Israel have been in Egypt. When they came into Egypt, they came in through Joseph and Jacob's family came in there and, and they understood something about their God. But here we are 400 plus years later 
and they're asking the question, what's his name? Because it appears that the patriarchs knew God in one way, but they were getting ready, this generation was getting ready to know him in another way. So they, he says, if they ask me, what is his name, what shall I say to them? God doesn't look at Moses and say, what do you mean, what's my name? He doesn't say, what, what are you talking about? Who, you know, I, I mean, it's obvious who I am. He doesn't do that. What he does is he says, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, literally, the Hebrew word that they used was Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. So he said, you tell them Yahweh has sent them or has sent me or sent you to them. The name Yahweh means to exist, to be or become. It's the proper name of God that holds great power and authority and communicates to all who hear, I am the one true God. The Jews revered this name so much that when they wrote it, they would remove the vows. So they wouldn't even put the vows in it. And, and then they began to use other names to substitute because they didn't want it to become commonplace. And, but that's the name that God gives to Moses. Now, this gets unique because he, he tells him, tell them Yahweh, tell them I am sent, sent you. But then a little bit later in Exodus, you, you see a unique transition between, or not transition, but a transaction between God and Moses. And this is in Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Now, he just said, well, who should I say sent me? And he said, you tell him Yahweh sent you. But now watch what he does here. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by the name El Shaddai. Everybody say God Almighty. He said, but by my name Jehovah, I was not known to them. Now let's stop and talk about this a second. Because if you, if you read the scripture, and we went through this last week, the name Jehovah was used. Abraham knew that name. So what, what's, what's going on here? God is saying that they knew me as El Shaddai. They knew me as God Almighty, but they did not know me as Jehovah. How can you reconcile that? How can you bring that together? Because this is what God's saying. God's saying they knew the character of the Almighty God. Amen. And even though they knew the name Jehovah, they didn't understand the character of it or what it signifies. Now, let me give you an example. The name Jehovah comes from the name Yahweh. Are you with me? So the, the, the name that is so holy that they took out the vows, the name that they didn't want to use and frequent often, Jehovah came from that name. 
So Jehovah means self-existent to be or become or come to pass. Everybody say come to pass. Now, he tells them they didn't know that name. They didn't know me by that name. When in fact they knew the name, but they didn't see the character of the name. Let me say it to you this way. A man can bear the name of a certain office before he ever fulfills the functions or operates in the power of that office. Let me give you an example. In November, we vote for presidents, right? And so they are the president, but they don't step into the full authority of that office for two months. We vote in November and it's January 20th. It doesn't happen until after the inauguration. So if you will, at the proper time, they step into the authority and the full rule of everything that office holds. Now God's God. He's, he didn't have any beginning, he doesn't have any ending. But what he's saying is this, is that as Jehovah, there's something that I'm going to reveal to them. They know my name, but they don't know what that name means yet. They, they understand, they've heard it pronounced, but they haven't seen it performed. So the patriots knew, his, knew that name, but they didn't know where the name came from. They didn't know it came from Yahweh. Yahweh doesn't show up until Exodus. They never heard that name, and yet that's where that name comes from is Yahweh. What it signifies is the self-existent one that causes things to come to pass, to be, or become. Many scholars believe that the culmination of Yahweh and Jehovah means to he brings into existence. Everybody say it with me. He brings into existence. So God had made promises, right? He had told Abraham that I'm going to make your seed like the sand of the sea. But Abraham died having never seen it. What's God saying? He never knew me as Jehovah. He didn't, he never saw me bring it into existence. But this generation is about to see something that the last generation didn't see. God would now be known by his name Jehovah. That is a God performing what he had promised, perfecting what he had begun, and finishing his own work. Amen. Everybody say, it is finished. You know, it's unique because the first time Jehovah ever shows up in the Bible is in Genesis 2 and 4. And the name doesn't show up until after he is finished creating. And once he's made the heavens and the earth, he introduces his name Jehovah. Everybody say he's able to finish what he starts. <laughs> Come on, turn around, look at your name and say, you don't have to worry about that promise. He's able to finish what he started. He's able to perform what he promised. He'll bring it to pass. Now, let me show you how Christ reveals himself to us in the character of Jehovah. Everybody say, it's finished. In John 4 and 34, Jesus says, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me 
finishing the work he started. Everybody say, he finishes the work. He brings into existence. And so, the Bible said that he was a lamb that was slain from where? From the foundation of the world. So, what happens is this. Before God, do you think that God didn't know what man would do? Do you think God didn't know that Adam was going to go south? Do you think he didn't know that, that there would be a mess up? Of course he knew. Well, then why does he create? Because he wants something in his image that can portray his likeness in the earth. And he does something that no other quote-unquote God was ever willing to do. And that's give you a choice. If you, you, you study all the other gods, man, every God's demanding their pound of flesh. And it's about what you do. But when it came to Christ, it's not about what we did. It's about what he did. And so he reveals himself in the character of Jehovah, the one that came to finish the work when he's at Calvary's cross. He breathes his last breath and he says, it is finished. It's done. The devil that's been on your back just got thrown off your back. Everything that's been against you now can't touch you. I finished it. Everybody say, finished. You remember in school when you used to get into a scrap? Any of you ever get in a scrap at school? Well, <laughs> there was always this old saying said, Dad said, you better not start it. <laughs> but you better make sure you finish it. If you could get that attitude with the devil. How many of you have ever been attacked by the devil? Wave your hand. How many of you have been attacked more than once? Wave both hands. How many of you have been attacked on several occasions? Throw your feet up in the air. No, I'm kidding. I was just. <laughs> the attacks come, right? And then all of a sudden we get floored. We, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What? You've got to understand something that the devil isn't going to leave you alone. He's not going to go home when you give your heart to Jesus and say, well, I guess that's another one I lost. He's going to try and dig down deep and take you out. But can I tell you, the one that's going to take us up has already took him out. If you'll just let him finish the work. Everybody say, hold on to him. I get excited about this a little bit. Who is that God? His name is Jesus. And every name of God is revealed in his life. In Colossians 2 and 9, it said, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everybody say, it's all in there. Let me, let me illustrate this way because we get into this, you know, people get in, in, into these big debates over, and I'm thinking, man, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. I've, I've, I've heard people say, well, God left heaven and, and he was on earth as Christ. Look, 
God is in Christ. The fullness of the Godhead is in him. But he's still there. He's a spirit. So think about it this way. You're standing in front of the ocean. You take a cup and you dip down into the water. What is in the cup? What is in the cup is ocean. Everybody say ocean. Now look out in front of you. You have not depleted the supply. God was in Christ bodily, uh, reconciling the world to himself. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everybody say, he's 100% man, and he's 100% God. I don't know how you do that, but he's God. If you can do it, you can be God. (laughs) But you can't do it. So you're not God. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you're not God. As a matter of fact, look at him and say, you ain't even close. (laughs) Not even close. So now, let's take a look at some of the names and see how they are fulfilled in Christ. You got to get this. Because if you don't get this, then the Savior that was crucified for you is no more than someone that was put in a tomb and it's sealed over. But if you get this, then no matter what you're going through, you'll understand he'll get you through. In the 15th chapter, the 26th verse of Exodus, he, the Lord speaks Moses says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Everybody say, Jehovah Rapha. And Jesus reveals himself in that name. Luke 4 and 40, now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases. What did he say? He said, I put none of these diseases on you. Well, then who put them on? The devil did. He said, I'll put none of them on you, but sometimes they come on you, right? Well, they didn't come from God. They came from Satan. Now, listen to what he says. He says that... All they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Everybody say healed them. Here's what I want you to get. Run up here a minute, James. Okay. So, right, he did what to them? Before that. He, everybody say he touched them. He laid his hand. He wasn't afraid to touch them. We get around people and we go, oh, I don't want nothing to do with them. I don't, I, I think about that. You know, he touched, you know, understand the guy that had leprosy, contagious. Jesus could have just spoke the word, but he touched him. Why? 
Because you need more than a word spoken over you. You need to know that someone loves you. Someone cares about you. You need a touch. I remember hearing about a pastor that was praying for a lady. He had his hand on her head and said, Sister, what do you need? What do you have need of? She said, I got lice. He went. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> I won't touch you right there. Sometimes, you, you, know, you, you understand what I'm talking about? You know when it's phony. You know, you, you, people can walk up to you all day long and say, I love you in the Lord, brother. But if you're talking about them on Saturday night, it doesn't hold much weight, does it? The reality of a touch, the reality of a God that's willing to come in contact with us. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, we got some mess. <laughs> Do you understand? I don't care who you are. We got some mess. The Scripture said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But that didn't keep Christ from coming to us and embracing us and loving us and touching us and healing us. Thank you. Everybody say Jehovah Rapha. Abbreviation is Jesus. <laughs> the name Elohim revealed in Christ. Elohim is the name that's used at the beginning of creation. Everybody say in the beginning, Elohim. Now take a look at John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Elohim. In the beginning, the Word. Word became flesh, dwelt among us, the character of God. How many of you know that He's a creator? How many of you know that, that how many of you know that Jesus can create? Amen. All you gotta do is look at the guy that had the withered hand. He said, Come here. That hand's all shriveled up and everything, and he's got it. He said, stretch that out. And when he stretched it out, he creates, and he's got a brand new hand. Let me tell you something. You may have something in your life that you feel like is shriveled up, dead, and gone, and all you've got to do is be willing to hold it out and extend it to Christ. And in one instant, what has been shriveled in your life can become full and blossom and blooming. Everybody say, he's blooming. El Rohi, or Rohi, the God who sees, revealed in Christ. John 1, 45. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, this is in the message, we found the one Moses wrote of in the law, the one preached by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son. The one from Nazareth. Nathaniel said, Nazareth, you've got to be kidding. But Philip said, come see for yourself. When Jesus saw him coming, he said, there's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. Nathaniel said, where did you get that idea? You don't know me. Jesus answered, one day long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi. 
You're the son of God, the king of Israel. He is the God who sees. How many of you believe that Jesus sees when you sin? You believe he sees it. Can't hide anything from him. Look, man, he sees better than mom sees. He sees. How many of you believe Jesus sees you when you need help? Praise God. I'm glad to hear it. Because I've met a lot of people that believe that Jesus could see them when they were messing up, but when they needed help, they believed that he wasn't looking their way at all. As a matter of fact, I've heard people make the statement, God, do you even see what I'm going through? Lord, do you know, do you see what's going on right now? Do those words sound familiar to anybody? Lord, do you see what's happening? Do you see my circumstance? Do you see my situation? See, sometimes we forget that he sees, and not only does he see, but he's able. He is able. Somebody say, El Shaddai. I wonder if that's next. No, as a matter of fact, the one that's next is Jehovah. Now, he doesn't just see, he He doesn't just see, he... (laughs) He doesn't just see, he provides. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, he provides. You remember where this shows up, where this name is revealed at? Abraham and Isaac are taking a walk up the mountain, and, and he, Isaac's looking at his dad, and he said, Dad, I see the wood and the fire for the burnt offering. He said, but where, where, where's the lamb? And Abraham knew what God spoke to him. But this father of faith reached way down in his heart and grabbed hold of some faith and looked at that boy and said, God will provide himself a lamb. And my friend, some several thousand, well, in the New Testament, (laughs) all of a sudden John goes, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jehovah Jireh, God provided a lamb. Wait a minute, I don't need a sacrifice. I need some lamb chops. I need something to eat. He's still Jehovah Jireh. There's a multitude of people, man, and they're all hungry. And the disciples said, send these folks away so they can go get something to eat. And he said, there's no need to do that. What do you mean there's no need to do that? Just have them sit down. Hey, time out. Jesus, all we got here is five loaves and two fish. Yeah, have them sit down. Are you kidding me? There's 5,000 men here, not counting women and children. And you know how kids eat. I mean, you, you, you got to be, set them down. And he looked up to heaven and he blessed it and he broke it. You're not going to find yourself blessed until you have felt yourself broke. When he blessed it, he broke it. And then he fed more than 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. 
he fed more than 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fish. And he's able to provide your need according to his riches in glory. Somebody say Jehovah Jireh. El Elyon, the most high God. Watch how it's revealed in Christ. Philippians 2, 9 and 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. El Elyon, the Most High God, a name above all names. Say it with me, a name above all names. Adonai. My Lord, my master. John sees Jesus. He says, I'm not going to believe until I put my finger in the nail print in his hand and thrust my hand in his side. And when Jesus shows up, Thomas bows low and says, my Lord and my God. Jesus turns and he looks at his disciples and this is what he says to them. This is in John 13 and 13. He said, you call me master and Lord and you say well for so I am. Adonai, my Lord, my master. El Shaddai, the mighty God. Matthew 13 and 54, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Everybody say mighty works. Luke 19, 37, then as he was now drawing near the descent of Mount Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the weak and significant things he had done. I'm just checking to see if you're following along. They begin to rejoice with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. El Shaddai, Almighty God. Amen. You've never had a problem that made God worry. You've never had a situation come up in your life that caused God to wring his hands and walk across heaven's floor going, I don't know what I'm going to do. He is almighty. That means that he has power over anything and everything you're going through. Amen. Think about it. He spoke the world into existence and you're afraid he can't take care of your utility bill. Anybody in the house today? Pastor, it's Labor Day. I know I'm working hard. <laughs> Somebody say it with me, Almighty God. Now, I'm getting ready to wrap things up. Everybody go. <laughs> Let's go back to the name Yahweh. To be. What's Moses say? Who, who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. <laughs> 
I love this man because Jesus is with a group of Pharisees and they're saying, man, you're not yet 50 years old. You're talking about, he said, you know, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He said, you're not 50 years old yet, man. And you're talking about Abraham saw you your day. And he looked at them and said, before Abraham was, I am. Do you understand the significance of what he said? That's why they wanted to stone him, because he was saying, Yahweh, I am. You got to be careful saying stuff like that. None of you can back it up. You don't. So they're in the garden. Soldiers have come to arrest him. He knew that the time had come, so he steps out to greet them. And he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Scripture describes this as a army, a band of soldiers. When you look at the definition of that, they say that that would consist from anywhere from 400 to 700 men. I don't know how many were there. What I do know is this. It's when they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He looked at them and said, I am. And every one of those guys fell flat on their back under the power of a living God. And let me tell you this, the same word that put them on the ground could have put them under the ground. He is the almighty God. He is I am that I am. The last name I'm coming to today, Isaiah 7 and 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Who's going to give you a sign? The Lord himself. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Say it with me, Emmanuel. I love that name because of what it implies. You want to see it fulfilled? Look in Matthew, the first chapter. Angel appears to Joseph in a dream, and he tells Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child within her was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, Son of God. Don't be afraid to do it. It's conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she'll have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, for he's going to save his people from all their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Oh, no, you're not getting that. You're not. We, see, here's the way we view God. We always view God at a distance. You, we, Sam, can I borrow you a second? Would you, would, would you mind running up here real quick? I know you're older, but you're big. <laughs> and I'm, I'm probably older than he is. 
So think about this, God with us. You know what I think about when I think about that verse, God with us? I think about the first Adam, because Christ is the second Adam. And what did it say about the first Adam? It said that he walked with the Lord the cool of the day. It's the relationship that God always intended for us is God with us. So if we're walking along, let's walk along. We're walking along, and all of a sudden, somebody comes up to get in my face. David, come up here. Somebody comes up, and they're trying to get in my face, and they're, they're giving me a hard time. <laughs> we didn't have that plan, folks. That was just... What, I, what I'm saying is this, is I don't have to fight my own battle anymore. God is with me. I, oh, thank you. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I can't help it. If God is with us, then you understand that God is for us. And if God is for us, then my friend, who can be against us? He is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I'm not going to church for some party. I'm not going to church for some social club. I'm going because he is Emmanuel. God with us. You got to hang on here. Everybody say he's about to get there. David's a man that seems to be born out of time. Because David's born under the law. And under the law, the Ark of the Covenant had to be concealed. Everybody say, the law concealed it. But what the law concealed, the New Testament would reveal. And here's David. A man that seems to be born out of time. And when he gives his credentials in Chronicles, he doesn't call himself the great king. He starts out calling himself a worshiper. The man that worshiped God, the psalmist of Israel. Because it's worship that wins your battles. It's praise that gives you your promise. And so all of a sudden, here he is. And that ark is supposed to be concealed. But David wants to see it. The ark represents the presence of God. And David's saying, I can't live with the presence of God concealed in my life. So he does something that no one else had ever done. He flips back the tent and he says, I got a feeling I know what God wants. And he is a man that is after God's own heart. So he causes for he calls for worshipers and praisers that praise and glorify God 24-7. And that is the way you see the glory of God. And David makes a statement. If I ascend into heaven, he's there. God is with me. If I make my bed in hell, 
God is there. He is with me. Hear what David's saying. No matter what I'm going through, God knows where I'm at. And he's right there to see me through. He is with me. Everybody say, he's with me. It gets better. He is God with us no matter where he finds us. And because he's God, I don't have to be afraid. Anybody in the house, I don't have to be afraid. You remember that old song? No, no, I know you're not going to, but I'm going to say it anyway. Carmen wrote that song and said, I don't want no monsters in my house tonight. <laughs> Look it up on Google. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying, man, the devil messes with our mind. Gets into our sanctuary by way of our thoughts. But if you know that he's with you, and he's for you, then you can write what David wrote and say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Everybody say, I'm comforted. <laughs> with me. You ever see a little dog that thought he was a big dog? <laughs> But turn your back on him, and he'll bite you. He knows he's got to get his licks in where he can, because he ain't big enough. There, there's a, where we walk at, there is a big boxer. Is that right? That's that dog right in the country. A big boxer. And when Debbie goes out there by herself, this is, this is a true story. Everything I've been telling you is true. <laughs> When she walks out there by herself, that boxer will come after her. Well, she's not supposed to walk out there by herself, so that's probably why that boxer comes after you. Oh, she was with Bethany. Bethany, they, they, she was with Bethany. They were walking out there, and that dog came after them. When I walked out there with her, this is the God's truth, that dog run up, hit that, he, he, he came running out, he got to the road, he saw me, and he turned around and ran back. Why? Because he understood something. There's an unwritten law among men and dogs. <laughs> you may bite me, but you're not going to live to tell the tale. What are you saying? Do you understand? We let the devil get away with nipping at our heels and taking and, and biting us. And we're, oh, 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 oh. The scripture said, Romans 16 and 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Everybody say shortly. Little dog, shortly. So 
well, what are you getting at? I'm telling you, you can't, if, if you're going, if, if God is going to bruise the devil under your feet, you got to pick your feet up. You can't be dragging through life saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. You need to pick yourself up and say, hey, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the king. And I know that he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's El Shaddai, the Almighty. He's Emmanuel, God with us. David saw what God could do, and he did it without even asking. Do you understand? He knows what your need is before you ever ask. I'm almost done. Everybody say he's almost done. That's what a preacher says when he's got another 30 minutes. Let me give you the equivalent here. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Matthew 28 and 20, Jesus says, I am with you always even to the end of the world, even to the end of the world. Do you understand the comfort of knowing that God is with us to the end? (laughs) To the end? Some folks will hang out with you as long as everything's going right. Some folks will hang out with you as long as you're doing what they want you to do. But God goes with you to the end. Everybody say, to the end. Forever. Everybody say, forever. Okay, I'm going to get, I got 10 minutes here. I'm going to give this to you fast, so listen quick. Sometimes we miss this. To the end, but people say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Jesus was crucified, so he's no longer here. What did he say? I'm with you always, even until I'm crucified. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Watch the provision that he makes for us. I want you to see this, and I'm going to end with this. Are you ready? He says, this is John 14, 16, 18, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. (laughs) Thank you forever. She didn't even know she was a confirmation. (laughs) Even, now here it reveals the comforter, even the spirit of truth. Everybody say the spirit of truth. And what is the spirit of truth? I I need you to get this. The spirit of truth, it's, it's referring to the Holy Spirit, but I need you to see the source of this. Because in 1 John, it says that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at the wording in this passage. He said, I'm going to send you the comfort, even the spirit of truth. Now, listen to what it says. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you. Everybody say, he's with me. Do you understand? Jesus was with them. He said, he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will, what's he say? I will come to you. If you look up the definition of Holy Spirit, it's one of the definitions in Greek is Christ's spirit. If you remember in the book of John, the seventh chapter, when they're going down and they're, they're, they're doing this ritual where they're, they draw water from this pool, 
And, and it signifies, the, the, it, it signified the Holy Spirit. If you go to Isaiah and study it, you'll find it. But Jesus, got, he, he's looking and he's saying, man, just, this is just a dead ritual they're going through. And he cries out the last day of the feast and he said, look, he said, whoever thirsts, come to me. And I'm going to give you something to drink that'll be like a well springing up in your life. And the scripture said, thus he spake he concerning the Holy Ghost. But he said the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Christ had not yet died. Jesus is saying, I got something coming that's going to knock your socks off. I got something coming your way that's going to empower you. Okay, let me, let me go here. Stay with me just a second. Okay, so John 20 and 22. This is after Jesus is crucified, before he's resurrected. I mean, before he, this is after he's crucified, before he tells them to tarry at Jerusalem. Everybody say, after crucified, before tarry. After crucified, before tarry. John 20, 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. That, my friend, is God with us. That is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the indwelling. When, well, well, wait a minute. He'd walked, these guys had walked with him for three and a half years. How come now? Because he hadn't been crucified before. This is Christ's spirit. So he breathes in them and there's an indwelling that takes place. Just like when you pray and you ask God to come into your heart, you ask Jesus to forgive you, there is a breath of the Holy Spirit that indwells you and now your spirit is changed. Everybody say, you remember that song? Don't look for me to go where I used to go before. I don't go there anymore. I found a better way. And don't look for me to say some things I used to say before. I don't say them anymore. I found a better way. Now, I'm telling you right now, if that was in tune, that was the anointing of God. If it wasn't, that was just me. And in dwelling, your, your spirit changes. Now, check this out. Because he said, I'm going to send you a comforter. Now, remember all these names? That they, they culminate in Jesus. Now, we need some El Shaddai. Everybody say, I need some power. So, he looks at the same people that he breathed into and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And he tells them, now you go tarry at Jerusalem and he said, and after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. This is what folks miss. There is an indwelling of the Spirit, and there is an empowering of the Spirit. Amen. 
There is an indwelling that comes when you ask him into your life. And there is an empowering that comes when you hang out in his presence and say, God, I want everything you've got for me. I, I want everything you've got for me. And people get into this, look, when it comes to speaking in tongues, the tongues isn't the evidence. The tongues was the sign. The evidence is the fruit that comes out of your life. The evidence that you've been into a relationship with an almighty God. As he said, these and greater things shall you do because I go to the Father. God with us. How many of you want God walking with you? Would you stand right now? God with us. You know, when God's with you, you get bold like you've never been bold before. When God is with you, remember Jesse Duplantis telling the story about his mama? He's five years old, and they turned an outhouse upside down on this next-door neighbor. His dad was a drunk, and he came out with a monkey wrench in his hand, going toward Jesse and his brother, and said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. His brother took off running and started yelling, run, Jesse, run. Jesse said, man, I froze in my tracks. He said, I I was scared stiff. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move. He said, I wanted to run, but I couldn't. He said, I was so afraid. The devil will try and intimidate you. God with us gets rid of the intimidation. So all of a sudden, Jesse's mama stepped out on the porch with a 22 rifle. And the guy heard, click, click. He turned around and he looked and he looked at, she looked at him and said, you touch my boy and I'll drop you where you stand. About that time, Jesse's dad showed up and he saw what was going on and he looked at the guy and said, mister, she ain't kidding, she'll kill you. Don't, don't move, don't do nothing, she'll kill you. Jesse said, all of a sudden, I had great boldness come over me. And he said, as a five-year-old boy, he started dancing around in front of that guy's face saying, you want some of me? God with us. God's not with us for us to be foolish. God's not with us for us to be arrogant. God isn't with us for us to flaunt. God is with us for us to share. He said, it's not my will that any perish, but that all come to everlasting life. God with us. If you had a, a, an unlimited supply of something, if I had an unlimited supply of cash, I'd walk around every day with $100 bills in my pocket. How you doing today? You look like you need an uplift. Here you go. Here you go. Just go out there. Here, here, go get your family some, some go, go, go buy yourself some shoes. You need those $500 kind. If the supply is unlimited, then you're not stingy with the supply, right? If it's unlimited. 
God with us is an unlimited supply. Why would we not share him? Why would we not tell others about him? He's an unlimited supply. God with us is the same God that's for us. And the God that's for us is the one that will see us through to the end of the world. So this is what I'm asking. I'm going to ask prayer partners to come real quick, very quickly. Come up here. If you're in this place tonight and you say, Pastor, or today, and say, Pastor, I just, I want that God with us. I, I, I hope you don't forget Sam and I walking together. Because in my heart and in my mind, I was praying today. I said, God, please help me illustrate this message in a way that people get it. Because when I think about God with us, as a matter of fact, let me end with this. The literal translation translation of Emmanuel is not God with us. It's with us God. What are you saying? God loves us so much, he doesn't want anything between us, not even a with. With us God. Us, God, us, God. He wants to walk with us, talk with us, laugh with us, share with us. And all he's waiting for is you to get the width out of the way. Who you're running with? Who are you thinking with? What with in your life has gotten between you and God? Well, I'd love to, but with this new job I got, I'd like to, but with all the stuff I got going on right now, don't you think it's time that we just get it together with God? <laughs> Just us and God. Turn around, look at your chamber and say, I love you, but you ain't getting between me and God. <laughs> it's us and God, us and God. And if that's what your heart's desire is, and I want to invite you, you can come to the front of this building or you can do it right where you're at, but just raise your hands and call out. Well, now, wait a minute, which one do I need? Jehovah Rapha, Adonai, El- Elohim. What? If you just say Jesus, <laughs> you said it all. Stretch your hands to heaven. Jesus. If you need special prayer, come to the front. We'll pray for you. Jesus. We come to you today asking from the depths of our hearts that nothing would get between us. No feeling. No emotion, no situation, no person, no job. I want to be next to you. Emmanuel. With us, God. Let me always seek to walk with you. 
show yourself to me in ways that I've never seen you before. Help me to look through the eyes of faith and know it is well. It is well with my soul. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this place today. I want to invite you to hang out in the lobby. There are going to be some cupcakes. Eat all you want. Just make sure you save one for me, okay? God bless you all. We love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to smile upon you. I pray you always know that you're blessed going in and coming out. And nothing you're going to face today is going to be able to take you back as long as it's us and God together. As you're going out today, if you would just right where you're at, would you just stretch your hands to heaven? We're going to pray for Eileen Heiser. We got a call. She needs God to touch her right now. She's, I think, 95, 96 years old, and God's been good to her. But how many of you know that God can keep her? So, Father, we just pray that, Lord, you just wrap yourself around, around Eileen right now. Touch her in a special way and let her know that it's well in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for praying.